0: A lot of songwriters still completely separate the process of writing a song from recording a song, and from writing a song to arranging a song, where often you would do that with recording. But I'm going to explain to you why you should stop doing that and you should actually start recording as you're songwriting. Friend. Welcome to the 99th episode of Songwriter Theory. Today we are talking about why you should record as you're writing songs, which can be a bit unconventional, but once you make the shift, I think it's a world of difference. We're going to talk about six different reasons why you should record as you write your songs. But before we dive in, today we're going to be talking about a lot of the musical side of songwriting, because, you know, recording, often that's directly related to the musical side of songwriting. So a perfect companion guide for what we're talking about today is my six-step lyric writing checklist. If you haven't gotten it yet, make sure to go get it. It will take you all the way from an idea to lyrics you can be proud of, lyrics that you can put up on a wall and they hold up on their own and don't even need the music for them to be good on their own. I think lyrics are the number one thing that songwriters struggle with. We're going to talk a little bit more about why I think that is and how we can fix it next week, but... Long story short, it's usually because your average songwriter is a musician who starts to try to learn to write music and poetry rather than a poet who learns to do music, right? So naturally, they're going to be a little stronger in the musical performance category, maybe even in the music writing category, whereas somebody who can write good music or somebody who's used to performing music well... It's not necessarily it's not the same skill set as somebody who can write a poem that can move people, which is really what lyrics are. So it's a different skill set. And it's not to say that you can't learn it. You definitely can. That's why I have that six-step lyric writing guide. I'm pretty confident that everybody can learn to be a much, much better lyricist. But on average, I think people tend to get a little lazy about the lyric side of things and say, oh, it's just words. It's fine. And then I see that status quo on the radio is also garbage. So Go pick that up free, link in the description below, my gift to you. Let's dive into the episode. First reason you should record as you write songs is it gives you quicker feedback. So a lot of times when we're recording a song or when we're writing a song, sorry, if you're writing a song, it often looks like, I don't know, going up to your piano or keyboard in this case and Doing some improvising, right? Until you find something that that sounds interesting to you. They are like, oh, hmm, I could, I could, that could be a beginning of a song. Or you grab your guitar because I know probably most of you are, are guitarists, and you know you start playing around with different chords. Maybe you do a little solo thing to try to figure out a melody. Maybe you do a little finger picking pattern, whatever it is, until you find something that you like, and you're like, oh, okay, those are song seeds, right? Or or it's the beginnings of songs, right? It's just this, this idea that it starts with. It might be a musical idea, it might be a lyrical idea, it doesn't matter. But often, that's how we start writing songs, right? But here's the problem. Usually from there, you play it over and over again, and maybe you try to improvise a melody over it, and how much you like it and how good you think it is, is partially influenced by how much fun you have playing it which is not necessarily a bad thing, but it makes us bias in an interesting way because how fun a song is to perform and how good a song is, or how much we would enjoy listening to a song are two completely different concerns. To illustrate this, I was in a bunch of choirs. I had two different choirs basically in high school. One was the regular high school choir. One's sort of the like elite vocal, smaller choir. You wouldn't really even call it a choir. It was called encore. It was a blast. But, uh, and then in college I was in men's Glee Club and which is a terrible name, by the way, like, can we, I, I, I had somebody legitimately ask me once and they weren't joking if it was like named after Glee, the like TV show and uh, it made me very sad. Anyway, should probably update that name. Just saying, I feel like it's, it's tradition that just keeps going for no reason. But anyway, sometimes we would perform songs that I did not really like, meaning I would never choose to listen to. For example, one song we did, Sweet Caroline, I hate that song. I hate that song for many, many reasons. One is I just find it obnoxious and it drives me crazy. Everything about it just annoys me. But also every time I listen to it, uh, I'm from New England, so... um, a tradition at the end of every Red Sox game, I think it's at the end of the eighth inning or the end of the seventh inning, before the eighth inning, I forget. The tradition is they always play Sweet Caroline. And this isn't really important, but here's a story for you anyway. So they always play Sweet Caroline. And the problem is that A, most people, especially in Boston and New England, for whatever reason, are not great singers. Not trying to be mean, I'm, I'm just saying. The average person is not a very good singer right? And then it's like the eighth inning. Okay. So people have had more than a few beers. So they're also pretty drunk. So put not really a great singer together with also very drunk and then combine it with a really obnoxious song that everybody there knows because it's tradition and because too many people know that song. And you get a bunch of people who, like, the tradition is basically, basically they, like, bring the volume down and everybody goes, ba 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 and it's horrible. It's horrible. Like, I was trying to be bad, and it's somehow worse than that. Anyway, moral of the story is I hate that song. But you know what? I actually kind of enjoyed performing it. It was definitely not my favorite song to perform, but those are two very different concerns, right? Like, it's kind of like... A lot of times, classical music is fun to play, but most people would say that classical music, and maybe they won't admit it, right? But if we're being honest, like if most of the time, even though I have an appreciation for classical music, if you gave me a choice to go to a rock concert of a band I liked versus listen to classical music for an hour, I would choose the rock band that I liked. Like it's just more fun for me, it's more enjoyable. Right. And a lot of people won't admit it because it's sort of like a status thing of like, oh, I like this fancy class. But but come on. Like, it's awesome. It's impressive. Some of it's really interesting and, and fun to listen to. And some of it's super epic. It's great. Right. But a lot of times, right, like there are people who will even admit they think classical music is boring. That stuff is on average, like brilliantly written. And a blast to play. Right. But it's not always that interesting to listen to. It's just not. Sometimes it is, sometimes not. Again, I'm not hitting on classical music. I'm just using these things to illustrate. There is a separation. There's a disconnect between how fun something is to play and how fun something is to listen to. Maybe a better example is all those like prog rock bands that that have like a, a song that lasts 11 minutes and changes time signatures and stuff. I'm sure for them it's fun to play. That's probably why they wrote it. They just want like something challenging to play. But to the average listener, we're like, oh, are you kidding me? It's like eight minutes too long. You have all these fancy time signatures that are stupid. Like they just like, why? Like seven, nine time. Nobody feels that. That's not not that everything needs to be three, four and four, four. But like at some point it just goes too far and you're just trying to show off your musical skills, which is fine again, but it doesn't usually result in a good, interesting song that's going to connect with me. It's just not going to work. And if that's your taste, that's fine, too. Hey, all all the power to you. Moral of the story, though, is there's a difference between how fun something is to play and how much you enjoy the song from a listener's perspective. And a listener doesn't give a rip how fun it is for you to play a song. So when you're just playing along with a song, you think, wow, I've written an awesome song here. There's that disconnect. Maybe if you weren't playing it, you wouldn't think so highly of it. But if you record it, you can listen back. And then you get a more objective view. You get a listener's view of how much you like it. And both are valid, right? I think performer's perspective on a song, an enjoyment of a song, and then a listener's perspective are both valid, right? I'm not saying if a song's fun for you to play, but you don't like it as much when you listen back, oh, it's a garbage song. No, no, there's value in both. But also you should probably know both because you don't want to write a bunch of songs that are just for you as a performer. That's... You know, it it should be something that you also would engage with and enjoy as a listener. So that's reason number one, quicker feedback. Second thing, make sure you don't write something and then forget it. I've talked about this several times, maybe many times. You might be sick of me saying it, but don't write something and not write it down or record it or something. So when I say write something, it might seem like you're, you're writing something, right? No, 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 no. I'm not saying you should like write the musical notes. No, that's a waste of time. It's a ton of time. If you did that for every song you wrote, it would just don't. You don't have to do that. Don't do that. But at least get your phone out and record it. So oftentimes if I'm at my actual piano, which is upstairs, it's not this keyboard, which I use for recording. Upstairs, I have an actual piano. And then, you know, if I'm anywhere. Maybe I'm at a friend's house and I'm noodling on their guitar. And I come up with an idea. I pull my phone out because let's be honest, we all have our phones on us all the time, right? Like, like be honest, you have your phone on you right now. And if you don't, you're checking your pockets and thinking, where'd my phone go? And now you're distracted and you're not listening to the podcast anymore, which if that's true, you should, you should pause and go back. Or if you're watching on YouTube again, pause, go find, go find your precious phone and then come back. I'll still be here. I promise. So anyway, Get your phone out. There's a there's a basic recording app on there, right? Just to like record sounds. Just record it. Because here's the thing, especially if you're writing at midnight or something, what I used to do is I'd just repeat that riff or, or thing over and over and over again. So in theory, I couldn't possibly forget it. Bad idea. Don't do that. I mean, it's a good thing to do, but don't just do that. Don't rely on your memory. Make it this idiot proof. The best way to make sure that you don't rely on your memory and you don't forget something awesome that you came up with is to record it because just by having something to listen back to, whether it be on your computer, which is most ideal where you recorded it and it sounds pretty nice right away, or whether you just pull your phone out to record it quickly, either one of those scenarios, you can listen back and you can refigure out what it was you wrote. If your ear is any good at all, right? Like maybe it will take you 30 minutes, or maybe it will take you one minute to refigure it back. That doesn't matter. The point is, you have a record of that thing so you can refigure out how to play it. That's the goal. So, that's reason number two why you should record as you write. Because if I record with my computer over here and I'm improvising on the keyboard and I'm recording it, I'm not going to lose that. I do that a lot. I'll just improvise for half an hour record it all, and then I know I have a record of that thing if I thought there was some something in there that I really liked. Usually what I actually do is if I find something I really like while improvising, I'll stop it, start a new one, and then just repeat that over and over again. It's usually what I will do. That way it's easy to find, right? Nobody wants to go through half an hour's worth of, of music to try to find the one nugget of gold. Nobody wants to do that, and that's fine. So that's reason number two, make sure... You don't forget what you write. Don't be that person that writes something at two in the morning, and says, oh, I'll remember it in the morning, and then forgets. Don't do that. Reason number three it expedites the process from writing to recorded song. This sounds obvious, and it is obvious, right? Like, obviously, if you start recording it earlier in the process, you are therefore getting closer to a finished recording when you normally would have not even started your recording. So that's one aspect, right? It's just already there. But then you can double down on that idea because now you have a recording of maybe what you just did on the piano. You you can edit it a little bit so that now it is an ideal version. It's like the final version of that. And now you can even take that next step, which is our number four. So again, at this point, we're just talking about it expedites the process from writing to recording, because often like you write over here and then like six months later, maybe you start recording. This gets us recording right away so that we already have something to work on. And honestly, I don't know if you're anything like me, it's kind of discouraging when you have this whole song written. You're like, oh, it's so overwhelming to think about recording that whole song now which may be silly, but honestly, I feel that way sometimes. You know what stops that? When during the songwriting process, I was recording anyway. So I'm like, oh, sweet, pause, play it well, get a good take, edit it a little bit. Boom. I already have my piano part in here. Maybe it's just for the chorus even. Fine. Doesn't matter. Maybe I just have my chorus piano, but it's already recorded and it's already recorded well. I don't have to re-record that now. That's motivating. That's easy to take that next step, which that next step is our number four. It allows you to wrap the arrangement process into the songwriting process. So it's really common, right, that you will songwrite sort of in this box of not caring about the final arrangement and the final product, right? Most of us, Correct me if I'm wrong. Let me know in the comments if this assumption is wrong, but probably let me know in the comments how you write songs, but probably what you do, if you're anything like me is, you know, you're off on some couch or some chair, whatever, and you're playing on the guitar and maybe even you follow my advice that I've always given and you have your cell phone out when you, when you, when you, and recording the basic riff that you like, and now you're repeating it over and over, and maybe you're trying to figure out the vocal on top. Eventually, you have this fully written song or close to fully written song that you can sing and play along with, and you have nothing recorded yet. And more to this fourth point, you haven't even thought about what the final arrangement is. Or maybe you've kind of thought about it. You've imagined something in your head. You can maybe hear in your head like, ooh, I think strings there would be interesting. Or, ooh, I think a piano part should come in there. Or like, ooh, this is what I think the bass part should be. Maybe, but you haven't actually recorded any of that yet. You don't really know. You haven't actually started arranging. You might have a little bit in your head, but what you have in your head and then what you end up actually making might be very different. Oftentimes it is, and usually for the better. So it's common to have those things completely separated, but sometimes it can be really helpful to combine them. So an example of how it can actually influence you to get outside of your creative box, which is something, of course, I talk about a lot. I do have a free guide on that as well. Um, but the idea is, you know, if if you are just recording or you're just I write every song you sitting with your guitar on a couch, come up with a chord progression and then vocalize over the top of it, like your songs are going to start to sound the same at some point. And they're probably going to get, like, yep, okay, here's another song with a person strumming a guitar singing some basic melody of the top. Not super exciting, right? Which, again, there's nothing wrong with strumming guitar. I'm not hating on that, right? But it is kind of the default thing. So if all of your songs are that, it's like, uh, okay, like you want something new, right? And even you as a songwriter are probably getting bored of it. So something that can help is when, say, you record your piano part. We'll take an example from an EP I'm working on right now, which is actually the next EP after the one that I'm supposed to be releasing, but I haven't quite finished that one. And I already have the next one like half recorded, but that's neither here nor there. What happened, right? is I recorded my piano part right away, I edited it. So now I have this like perfect or close piano take for the whole song. And I imagine the chorus going a certain way. I, I And I haven't written the lyrics yet either. Okay, so I just have this piano stuff that I really liked. And I have some of the melody written, but I do not know what the lyrics are yet. I have an idea of what the lyrics are about. The song is called Cycle, and it's this idea of you doing this. the be trapped in the same cycle of doing the same stupid things over and over again, basically, or at least that's the idea, right? It's I haven't read the lyrics, so I can still evolve from that, but that's the idea. And I had a certain vibe in my head, but because I recorded it, I actually started doing the arrangement process before I've even started writing the lyrics, right? So normally you think songwriting, that's the music meaning like the one main instrument part might be your guitar, might be your piano, and then vocal, which includes lyrics, right? So usually you've written all of your lyrics and all of your music, like your chords and stuff, before you've thought about arranging. I haven't written my lyrics yet. So now, when I start arranging, which I found some, some cool acoustic guitar effects and a choir effect, and it came together to make the chorus actually sound, it has a little bit of the vibe at the end of Gladiator. If you've seen Gladiator, great movie. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. Seriously, it's so good, uh, and for once, it's not a Christopher Nolan movie. I'm talking about, so that's cool, right? Because you're sick of me mentioning Christopher Nolan, so here you go, Gladiator. But at the end, there's this, and throughout throughout the film, there's this. The soundtrack sort of has a certain vibe, which I really like, and I hate the word vibe, so I hate that I just used it twice, three times. If you count when I said it again, um, but the combination of this acoustic guitar synth sound that I, that I liked. And then this, this choir synth sound that I liked ended up making the chorus have a little bit of that, like rising hope sound of the, the the Elysium track. Um, I I believe it's called the Elysium track based on when it occurs in the movie. Um, And that now is going to influence. First of all, it's helped me outside of my box. I've never written something like that. It has this really interesting, cool sound that I don't think I would have had if I had already written the lyrics, because now the lyrics would influence exactly what sound it would have. It tends to make me stay inside a smaller box. But because I started arranging now, now that sound Influence Arrangement. I haven't changed where the song I now expect in the EP, because now it has this end of the EP sound. Originally, I thought it would have the middle of the EP sound, but the song is evolving and changing a little bit in a good way, in a more interesting way, because I started arranging before I finished writing the song, which is only possible, or only likely, if you record as you write. So... And then, and then at this point, right? So now you have a part of your song recorded. You still haven't written any lyrics. You might be panicking. I don't have any lyrics yet. That's where that six-step lyric writing checklist comes in. If you haven't gotten it yet, go get it free. In the link, to, in the link is in the description below. I promise it will help you. with six steps. I make it simple. I boil down every step. It'll be great. So number five, it allows you to be more. Creative with sounds. Sort of connected to the last thing. But here's the thing. Let's say you're recording, right? Or sorry, you're songwriting. Probably what you have is your acoustic guitar or your piano. Maybe a keyboard that has like string sounds or whatever. Like this keyboard. It has Grand Piano 1, Grand Piano 2. Electric piano. Slightly different vibe. I can't believe I used the word vibe again. I'm so disappointed in myself. Anyway harpsichord, okay, and strings. There are some different sounds to inspire you differently. Acoustic guitar, though, sounds like acoustic guitar, right? And maybe you have an electric guitar. You probably have an electric guitar. And maybe you're decent enough with pedals and you have a pedal board or whatever to create some different sounds. Great, right? Because each sound inspires you differently, right? The, the How you will play or how you will write with heavy distortion versus just a ton of reverb, but a clean guitar sound, you're going to write something totally different, right? Which is something I always encourage you to take advantage of, right? That's another way to get outside of your creative box to try different things. But you know how to even add to the amount of sounds that you can be inspired by? Recording on your computer, Why? Because there are a ton of free, pretty good synths out there that have a bunch of different preset sounds that are pretty interesting. Also, you can get something like Omnisphere, which I got, which is like 400 or 500 bucks. So that's expensive. I'm not necessarily recommending that depending on where you are, but that thing has millions of sounds. I think it's just an incredible amount of sounds with incredible amount of presets So I can just experiment with different sounds, right? Some of them are like bell sounds and chime sounds, and some are piano type things. There's like sitars in there, bunch of different sounds that I just, I would never have all those instruments, right? And some of them aren't even instruments. They're fake sounds, or there's one that's like a burning piano. They literally set a piano on fire and sampled it, right? I'm not gonna get that sound with my piano. So, those sounds, though, will inspire me to write differently, which is a good thing, right? So, so if you're recording as you're songwriting, and you're songwriting and grouping that process together, you're now allowing more songs, more sounds to influence the, the sound of your song and the direction of your song and how you write the song, which can be a great thing, especially for breaking outside of your box, which brings us to number six. Our final point here. When you're recording as you're writing, it allows you to emphasize and concentrate on the one part of the song you're writing and not worry about the rest. So this is another thing I've talked about before. If you are sitting playing your guitar and you come up with a chord progression that you think, ooh, I like this, this is interesting, And then you continue the songwriting process. Usually what that's going to look like is you sing oohs, ahs, hum, I don't know, over the top of it until you find an interesting melody, right? Same with piano, right? Maybe you hum a melody or maybe because piano is more powerful of a songwriting tool, you have the chords going on in your left hand and your right hand is how you find the melody. Which isn't very helpful if you have a piano riff that involves both hands and now you're trying to write a melody on top of it. Then you have to sing it, right? And then if you were to try to write a third part at the same time, how would you even do that, right? Already, your brain is trying to do two different things. It's trying to remember and play what you've already written. And then you're trying to be creative So that's a non-creative thing, right? You're just playing. You're just performing something that you've already written. And then you're also trying to create something at the same time. You're asking your brain to do two different things at the same time, which, by the way, is very possible, right? A lot of us as songwriters, especially, that's how you start out. You do a lot of that. But why when you don't have to? Because if I record that piano part or that guitar part, and then I loop it in my software, my computer's over here in case you can't tell because I always point over there, but um, then... I can loop that part in my software, and then maybe I've even edited the piano part, right? So it's pretty perfect. Now I can go back to the keyboard or I can use my own vocals or whatever, and I can write a melody not thinking about how to play the rest, because it's not, it, I, I don't care anymore, right? It's agnostic to what, what I've played before. Now I can come to the keyboard and just You know, try different melodies. And I know you can't hear any... I can't hear any sound either. It's not on. Right? So now I'm not thinking about, oh, how to play the part I already have and then try to figure... be creative with... No. Now I have both hands and all of my creative brain space to just come up with a melody that goes well on top of whatever I have written already. But I don't have to worry about how to play that. And then... Let's say I write, I have the melody written. Great, cool, good for me. Now I want to write a guitar part to go with it. Maybe it's acoustic, maybe it's electric, who cares? It doesn't matter. Now I have my melody there and I have my piano part there. So when I write my guitar part, I know whether it pairs well with the melody and the piano part because I don't have to play them. I can hear them and I can listen to see if what I'm currently improvising on my guitar fits well with what I have written already. And that just keeps piling on top of it, right? When I come up with maybe a stringed, maybe I have a synth, which I do, like a synth that does string sounds, right? I can hear, I don't have to do the whole, well, the the string part goes well with the piano part. I hope it doesn't conflict with the vocal part, right? I don't have to hope. I can know because I'm listening to the vocal part and I'm listening to the piano part and I'm listening to the guitar part or the five guitar parts that I already have there. And I can hear, oh, is this new part I'm writing, does it fit well into the song? Which is the only thing that matters, right? If you come up with a great string part, but it conflicts with the vocal melody and makes it sound like garbage when it's all put together, it doesn't matter, right? Because the point of every other part is to supplement that melody, supplement the lyrics. That's the point of all of this. So it, in the end, allows you to bring together the writing, the arranging, and the recording in a way that makes every step of the process easier. It makes arranging easier. It makes the writing easier. It allows you to be more creative. This is why you should record as you write songs. Seriously do it. And look, if if the thing that's holding you back... Is you're like, oh, but then I have to invest in all this expensive equipment. You don't. There's a bunch of great equipment that's really cheap out there. Like th- this microphone, and you don't even have to buy a mic that's this nice, was 300 bucks. 300 bucks for a mic that could do it all. You can get one for 50 or 100 bucks that honestly sounds pretty good. So you need a mic, you need a cord, another 10 bucks, maybe 20 bucks. Then you need an audio inter- interface, which is something, it's basically like an external sound card that allows you to go from XLR from your microphone, and then it converts it to USB so it can plug into your computer. And there there you go, right? Like, And then software, which Reaper is free to use for an infinite amount of time. In fact, I used Reaper for free for eight years until I finally bought it like a couple months ago because I felt bad. I'm like, this is, so, I mean, I've used this countless hours and I haven't paid for it which makes me a garbage person in that case. So Reaper, I'm really sorry. But hey, I did pay you now. So I hope hope it's all good. Hope you forgive me. So anyway, like it's easy to get, I don't know, 200 bucks, 300 bucks, and have honestly a pretty solid lineup of stuff to record your stuff. And maybe you can't even afford that. Okay, that's fine. But if you can, I highly recommend it. I will put links in the description below of things that I recommend things that I think are like a good, cheap starting place if you don't have recording equipment so that you can follow this advice. It really isn't that expensive to get started. And honestly, that these days, even the cheap equipment sounds really, really, really good. You can get really, really good recordings. Graham over at The Recording Revolution has a whole video actually of him writing up and making a pretty good sounding song just with his iPhone. Um, And that like literally with no external mics or anything. So even that you can get to sound good, much less uh, cheap, but, 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 you know, real uh, condenser microphone and sound card and, and recording into your computer. So anyway, I'll put those, those in the description below. I hope this was helpful to you. If it was, please drop a like. I would appreciate that. It helps with the YouTube algorithm. If you're on YouTube anyway, if you're listening via podcast, well, then go leave a review instead. Preferably four or five stars. If you feel that you can give it, I appreciate you for doing that. Um, if you feel like I don't deserve that many stars, then let me know why. Send me an email, Joseph at Songwriter Theory. I'm always to happy, I'm always happy to hear from you all. There we go. That's English. Hope this was helpful to you. Be sure to subscribe and click the notification bell if you are on YouTube, because I have these videos come out every single Monday. And right now, every Thursday, I am doing a songwriter analysis where I take a song um, and and break it down and, and talk about it from a songwriter's perspective so we can learn from different songs out there. I've done Don't Stop Believin' by Journey for a specific reason for the finale podcast a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and then I did a Lewis Capaldi song, and I believe I'm going to do a song from my favorite band vertical horizon this next week, because dang it, I want to. And because I think there's a lot to learn from that song. It's, it's, it's great. And I know that you all, that is the one song I'm pretty sure you all know by vertical horizon. Uh, so we're going to, that's probably coming up, uh, this Thursday. So be sure to subscribe if you're interested in that, if you want to learn about songwriting. And then again, Final reminder, go pick up that free guide, a six-step lyric writing process. This, what you learned today combined with that will really help you on the music side and the lyric side to absolutely crush it, which is the goal, is it not? Thank you again for listening. Thank you again for watching if you're on YouTube. I appreciate every single one of you, and I will talk to you next week.